Spencer Valper and the team with Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making one of his now multiple appearances. I don't know precisely, but we will call them multiple appearances. Is a contributor to Knockgraphs and also the proprietor of FlipFlopFlyin.com. His name is Craig Robinson. Robinson, of course, is a British person uh, who lives in Mexico City and possesses no little affection for baseball. That serves as enough of a pretense upon which to uh, to speak with Robinson for some time, which we do. It's a conversation that lasts about an hour. I'm prepared to say it's a lovely conversation regarding the World Cup, uh, baseball in Mexico City, and a sort of uh, brief comparative study of filthy, filthy words in uh, the United States versus Craig's own native England. I think it's still top of the tree in my country as well. Um, it's just, it's a, our swearing outrage tree is smaller. What I would tell the listener is that if you're looking for the sort of crack baseball analysis that appears in the electronic pages of Fingraphs, probably do not keep listening, do not keep listening. Uh, consider listening to, however, one of the editions of Fangraphs study with Dave Cameron. Uh, managing editor of Fangraphs, Dave Cameron, does make a weekly appearance in which he analyzes all baseball. Do listen to the following, though, if you have any interest in being uh, slightly more amused than you are right now. That is the utility of what follows. Uh, what follows is Fangraphs Audio. It does feature Craig Robinson, and it begins right now. As you know, uh, sometimes the um, – I think you know, the internet sometimes stops working here. Yes, apparently so. Yeah, and so that's uh, that's always a possibility. Um, that's fine by me. It's, yeah, it's entirely possible it might do the same this end. So. Oh, yeah, right. Well, you're in Mexico. Correct. Yeah, okay, good. And now that we've established that. Uh, I want you to know first uh, First off, I don't know how – I don't know where your self-esteem is at the moment. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, you know. But I want to tell you that, uh, um, you know, when I was calling you on, on Skype here, my wife saw your uh, profile image and she said, oh, he's cute. Oh, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. I mean, you have to recognize that she has miserable taste. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, so. Yeah. She married you. Yeah. Right. Precisely. I mean, that's, uh, that's an easy yeah, joke. Right. It's easy and true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you kind of, uh, you crossed the ball in yeah. very easily for me to head it into the goal. That's right. It was a, actually... Um, but this is fan graphs, not soccer graphs. No, but so. we are going to talk about uh, uh, world football at some point. Oh, magic. Um, but it's interesting that you bring up the idea of crossing because I've come across studies... I don't know. I can tell you that by look that by watching matches, I detest crossing because I feel it as a, I feel it as a lazy... I feel it is a lazy strategy. Okay. Uh, I don't care for I don't care for headed goals either. So and usually uh, goals off of crosses come from heads headers. Yeah, I find um, I find uh, this is this goes through a bigger thing in sport with me in general, um, where where the size the genetic size of a human being makes them better at sport. I find that's that's, that's it just seems wrong. Like, well, uh, I, does it, basketball it, to me is just ridiculous because it's all people who are nine feet tall. Now, does it, like, does it extend to other uh, sort of like 
physical like I, I'm going to say abnormal abnormalities, but I mean like exceptional like beneficial abnormalities like speed uh, or strength. That's, mm, that's an interesting one. I've not thought about it like that. I just thought about it as far as size, like jockeys. You know, yeah, whatever. You just happen <laughs> four foot two, so you can a horse doesn't have to hurt itself carrying you. Yeah. But 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 do you see that? I mean, essentially, speed. Uh, all right. Well, height we could say is something you really cannot control, or maybe you can, but not that I know of. It's typically some combination of genetics and uh, probably nutrition at a certain age. <clears throat> and then, uh, but but weight and muscle mass. Well, let's see. Weight you could change probably. Muscle mass you have some control over, I assume. I would imagine so, yeah. Yeah, but I don't like I don't we've never met. But I'm a pretty slight guy. Like I have rather thin uh, arms and legs and I I could never be huge. Like I could I don't think I could just I could not uh my, my I would not put on mass like that. Um coincidentally I'm holding a toothpick right now. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know if you could hear me snapping it. Yeah, okay. Was that are you is that a metaphor for my for my limbs? Yeah. Okay. Does it does it bring you satisfaction? You it's, it's essentially a crudely fashioned voodoo doll that you have. Yeah. It's, uh, you're in the you're in the bin now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but but then but in in speed, uh, you know, like um, speed is, sh- is surely something you can change. But there's a ceiling. Everyone has a ceiling. I guess that's true. Yeah. You know. I mean, my ceiling is not going to be winning me the hundred. Right. And I assume, now listen, did you see Gareth Bale's goal to win the Copa del Rey? Oh, Craig? Ah, Hi. Yeah, that didn't, uh, so it went poorly. That was really France, huh? Yeah, that was, it was, yeah. Wow. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so you were saying, what? You got to... Yeah, it just uh, it made me think of how good at editing you are. That uh, when this thing must happen all the time in other podcasts, you don't really notice. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I just say I appreciate that. Uh, okay. I do. It doesn't require like the most work because usually I'll do something like this. You ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig, you were saying that it would not win you the hundred meter dash. No, it would win me the hundred meters walking slowly though. <laughs> well, I may not be able to edit that together, but well, we'll see. But here's the thing. Here's what I wanted to ask you: Is did you see Gareth Bale's game-winning goal in the Copa del Rey? I did. Yes. When basically he used his what he did was all right. What he did actually on the field was he kicked the ball way ahead down the left flank. He outran a defender who pushed him out of bounds quite a. Quite a ways, in, in fact. And then he just ran and sort of, like, kind of dribbled, but more just made sure the ball was still in front of him, and then he kicked it by the keeper. He did, yeah. It was very PlayStation-y. Right. But what, yeah, and so the thing is, what he did in reality was he imposed his genetic superiority onto the other team. Right. You know? Um, and so you see it, and you're like, oh, this is someone, that's a crazy thing that he just did. But you're like... Oh, like he was, 
like when he was born, when he came out of his mommy's tummy, which is how babies are born. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, it was like in, in the future that he was going to do this because of the the gifts with which he was born already. The amazing thing is he's Welsh. <laughs> I never really think of the words Wales and genetic superiority. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they've they've, they've had way fewer. They've made way fewer attempts to conquer Europe, haven't they? I'm I'm allowed to make that joke because I'm English. Oh yeah, no, I understand. No, I, I I get it. Oh, speaking of jokes in the English, uh, we the, one of the bars uh, we've gone to with some frequency here in Paris uh, is a bar called the Harp, owned by a Scotsman. Right. And okay. um, he. That's an Irish bar, I assume. Yeah, and well, so with, with the connection being that it is an Irish pub, but he's a he's a huge huge. Uh, well, he's Catholic and a Celtic fan. Right. Uh, and so there's a lot of uh, Irish. Themery going on anyway, I guess. Um, but I can tell you one group of people uh, he dislikes, and just to put a name on them, we'll call them English. Yeah, yeah, yes, uh, yeah. They have to do that. <laughs> who's who's they? <laughs> the Scottish. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, they've uh, for for a very very long time we've been in charge of them, so you know. Yeah. He, um, I've never heard anyone use the word, uh, in every sentence before. Right. But, but he does. Not even at the saying world championships. Yeah, that's right. Is there one of those? Um, there probably is in Scotland. In Scotland, yeah, yeah. I assume it's in Glasgow. That's where he's from. We saw him last night, and, um, you understand I live in a place where I'm surrounded by people speaking foreign languages all the time. Um, I can empathize. Yeah, right. And I don't know how it's turned out for you, but like the longer I've lived here, the more I understand. Not not all of it, certainly, but enough to where if I understand the context of the utterance that is being directed at me. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, then I can generally fill in the rest. Those are the same exact skills that I have to use when I'm talking with him when he's full-on Glaswegian. Oh, absolutely. Um, I used to work uh, for a record distribution company, and uh, one day we had this guy from Belfast starting work in our department, and the rest of us, all English, just kind of looking at each other, just dumbfounded by this just <laughs> vacuum cleaner noise that came out of his mouth. But eventually you get used to it, and now we're great friends. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, yeah, it would take a while, and I have not uh, spent enough time with him. Plus, when I have, I've usually been drinking, so I'm sure that uh, doesn't help, I don't think. Probably not, no. No, probably not. Um, and uh, and that, that particular word, um, which I assume you've been bleeping out, uh, isn't so common in the United States, I, in my experience. Not, no, not with... Not to the degree that it is definitely used by this gentleman. And my sense is – I can tell you that when I was young, my mother who herself has a has sort of a filthy mouth, uh, mm-hmm. we were together watching – and I could not have been more than 10. We were watching Silence of the Lambs. Right. And um, one of the characters uh, in the uh, asylum area – uh, says to Jodie Foster, he says, I smell your which is gross. Mm. Uh, but I said it out loud. I said, what does that word mean, Mom? And she said, that is the word you don't say. Right. Yeah. 
But she, I mean, she uh, she says everything else in front of me, but not that one. I think it's still top of the tree in my country as well. Um, yeah. It's just it's a uh, our swearing outrage tree is smaller than the one in the states. <laughs> I think when I've used the word in the states, I've noticed that occasionally people will bristle. Right. I accidentally used it when I was back in the states during uh, March because. I was and I was in an Irish pub and I was trying to explain to the gentleman there, who one of whom was Irish or maybe one of them was Scottish, and the other American. I was trying to explain to you the exact to them the exact thing that I just explained to you about uh, Stephen at the Harp here in Paris, and mm-hmm. uh, they also bristled when I said and I said oh, I thought oh maybe I should uh, be careful about that. But listen, here's the here's what we want to get back to. Okay. You noted mm. that. Um, a, a difficult thing with regard to sport for you sometime is when uh, is when the sport in question favors people of unnatural height. Yes. Uncommon height. Mm-hmm. And we have just had uh, partially a discussion since then, dis- uh, touching on the fact that other sports, uh, in other sports, for example, the Gareth Bale's demonstration of genetic superiority. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncommon, uh, both for his speed and also the fact that, again, as you noted, it belongs to a Welshman. Uh, the fact that, like, clearly his genetic superiority or, or his uncommon genetic trait is helping him in that case. And I'm wondering if you have the same aversion to, to that, to speed. Um, no, I'd not really thought about it as far as that. So it's, it's just, just height. Yeah, it's just a height thing. How tall are you? Um, I say five foot eight, but it's probably five foot seven and three quarters. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Five eight's fine. Yeah. How many stone is that tall? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> Depends on the size of the stone. Yeah, it would. Right. It's a good point. Uh, yeah. So, so it's really just to to height. And you and for you, what? So if you watch a football match and it seems as though a team is just uh, what lobbing the ball in for. Uh, that's yeah. That that was the original point. Yeah, like. You're you did not liking headers, and yeah, I find similar thing. It's just like if a defense is all, you know, six foot five defenders, then you know, I basically just hate Chelsea. Right. That's the fundamental. Well, you, yeah, you can hate Chelsea like for a number of reasons, not just this one. Yeah, I, um, um, it would be good to have a catalog of them. It, it's um, so here's a, here's a thing, and I might just be cherry picking, but. The two players with uh, with whom I'm equated, who are sort of famous for being tall, wait, one of them is famous for being tall, and another one is tall, um, are as follows: um, Peter Crouch mm-hmm. and Zlatan Ibrahimovic is also quite tall. Right. Uh, they are both actually not particularly good. Um, they they have not scored necessarily a lot of goals by way of the head. Now this is true, actually. Yeah. Uh, for example, I know that at one point this season, or maybe it was. A, I had seen a, um, a stat uh, that, uh, you know, Falcao um, and Ibrahimovic had scored a sort of a roughly similar number of goals uh, over a certain span of time. But Falcao had actually scored a greater percentage of his by way of the head a- as opposed to Zlatan. Right. Despite the fact that Zlatan, I, I believe, is, I would say, inches taller. Mm. Um, and, but he's also, um, he does seem to enjoy his own... Being, <laughs> so maybe he he just wants to do it with his feet. 
Yeah, and he well, he's good. He's quite good with his feet as well. He's excellent with his feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I wonder actually what the I wonder what the correlation is between height, or I wonder what actually it is that informs uh, goals, um, he- headed goals. And I wonder. I, I mean, you would have to assume that height is part of it, but it, it would seem that just given the, these few examples, that it's not a perfect correlation. Mm. I mean, when I played football at school. Um, I wasn't particularly good at headers because I wasn't a very tall, and I used to find the ball hitting my forehead hurt. Yes. So I tended to avoid it. Yes. Um, so uh, maybe that's part of it as well. Just avoid doing it. I think that I think that uh, the desire to head the ball is a big part of heading the ball. Yeah, I mean there are times when it can look uh, can look fantastic when when you do see someone just leaping up in a small gap and getting enough power from their neck onto it. Right. Can look good. Yeah, it can look good, sure. But um, now, were you happy with were you happy with the end of the uh, Premier League season? Not particularly, no. Well, uh, um, yes, in one way, in the fact that it was just I, I just hadn't even entertained the possibility that Liverpool would be, you know, still with a chance of winning it with 90 minutes of the season to go. Mm-hmm. So from that point of view, yes, it was uh, fantastic. But from another point of view, uh, it was in Liverpool's hands, and then Chelsea came along and messed that up. So, you know, I can't complain. Did it feel <laughs> Did it feel inevitable to you at all? That Liverpool would win it, or that Manchester City would win it? The Manchester City would, would win it in the end. Um, no, it didn't, actually. Mm-hmm. Um there was a point um, early on after Liverpool had beaten Arsenal. Um, I think it was in February. Mm-hmm. The next game they played away at Fulham and were losing until the last minute, I believe. Oh, no, sorry. Um, they were drawing until the last minute and then they got like an extra time penalty and won that game. And that's the sort of game that Liverpool would have lost uh, or drawn. You know, they're play magnificently against a good team and then just mess up against a crappier team. Um, and it's when they did that and then they went on that run of like, like 12 games or something without losing. Um, in that run, I just started to think, okay, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And I truly thought Liverpool would beat Chelsea, but they didn't. And after that, it was there, there was a, a slight feeling of, well... Uh, the, the the momentum died that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, no, do you, uh, it's uh, I feel like Irish funeral sound behind me. <laughs> can I? I don't know if I can do that post production. I'll look. Cool. I'll go. I'll Google Irish funeral sound. Mm. Maybe you could have like uh, them singing the pogues like on the wire. Yeah, right. That's yeah. That's precisely what I want. What a funeral! I um, I would love that. And in fact, I think what happens to McNulty in the end, right, is that he just has a funeral while still alive. Is <laughs> that? Is, is it, that I think he does. Is that is that right, Cal? Does that happen? Funeral while still alive. Yeah, she agrees. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Good. Uh, that would be great. I would love to. Uh, I would love to have a funeral. As people say, people say nice. Uh, they make. If they're ever going to make a nice comment about you, they they make it at your funeral. That's true, yeah. You know, uh, and and I would say that I'm unduly moved 
by compliments. And so I would love to have a rash of them all at once like that. Okay. That's good. What about you? Do you get moved? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very nice um, when people say nice things about your skills in many areas, particularly between the sheets. <laughs> Is that what you just want? You just want it. You want your funeral to be just a parade of ex-lovers? Yeah, it doesn't even have to be ex-lovers. They can just be women who pretended. <laughs> just, <laughs> just yeah, just just any woman. Yeah. To just yeah. uh, would now would you would you like them to if when they were speaking uh, re- with regard to your sexual prowess, would you like them to say it as though they had witnessed it? Um, uh, they, you know, they were intimately familiar with it, or, or by reputation. If where they just say, "Well, I never had the opportunity," they might say that I never had the opportunity I think that would be good. Yeah. to yeah, share that would... an, an, an evening with Craig Robinson, or even a, um, or even ten minutes uh, in a in a uh, in a temporarily broken elevator. But, mm. but his, uh, but his reputation uh, speaks for itself. Yeah, but well, just sort of, I don't mind whatever lies people make up about me. Like, you know, they could say, "I, I yeah, I saw him on stage in Prague doing that." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's I'm, what. Yeah. Uh, here's a question: Why are we? Uh, how come you're up? Are, is it because you're just like because you are you're an adult man, or is it for other reasons that you were willing to do this as early as nine a.m.? Um, I tend to wake up quite early, like between six and seven a.m. Really? Yeah. So. And this is uh, this has been the case for how long? Um, I go through phases of uh, getting up early, and I, it's been going on for quite a while now. Um, seven or eight months, I've been getting up when it's dark. Oh my! I've started to enjoy uh, starting work where the brightest thing is my computer screen, and then slowly seeing the the colour of the room change is very enjoyable for me. And it's it, also the quietest time of day. And are you in doing that though? Are you are you going to bed much earlier? Um, I tend to not not much earlier, but I do fall asleep before midnight. Okay. Yeah, which is fine, which is fine. Which annoyed my girlfriend because, you know, she wants to watch another episode of Game of Thrones. And I'll be uh, nodding off. Yeah, that's right. Now, is this, do you have a sense that this is uh, a result of your advancing age? It's entirely possible, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you must, you're getting on what right now? I'm like 43 now. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm. You're roughly it's, the uh, age of Dane Perry. Roughly. Yeah, and that's not. No one wants that. Well, you know, um, age is a thing, and it's 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 difficult to not let it uh, worry you sometimes. But then you sort of realise that you know the things that uh, things that you have seen and lived through. I can't think of any. um, I would rather be the age that I am than like. 10 years younger, for example, mm-hmm. because um, I did grow up in a time before computers were in every house and mobile phones were in everyone's pocket. And I grew up before, um, well, before paedophiles 
actually existed. They were just, you know, in England, <laughs> that were, obviously they existed, but um, they weren't called that. They were just just referred to as, you know, he's a bit weird. <laughs> and, oh, don't talk to that guy. So you 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 are happy to have come, to have been raised in a time before pedophilia w- was really a crime. Before it was before it was popular. That is a curious yearning, but sure. Yeah, there is always. I think you can be. I think you can be a reasonable person in the present, and all, but also, it also have kind feelings f- for simplicity, as well. Yeah, I mean that, that's been partially uh, destroyed, and I'm 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 definitely not equating sort of like the sort of um, some of my childhood television memories being ruined with <laughs> sexual abuse. I'm not saying that. But uh, I don't know if you're aware, there's been a lot of um, TV and radio people from my childhood have subsequently been found to have abused their position and abused children. Um, In England? Yes. Are you talking about merry old England? Merry old England, Because this doesn't sound like the the England I know. Uh, Well, yeah, it was in the 70s, it seemed like. It started off with uh, Jimmy Savile, who was like a radio and TV guy. I mean, it is nuts to look back now, and you see photographs of him wearing sort of like gold lame tracksuits and lots of jewellery and smoking a cigar and saying that he, uh, you know, never wanted to get married, didn't like children. It's amazing that uh, we just took that at face value when the whole the whole time he was just uh, abusing countless children, like hundreds. Ugh. Um, Ugh. And there's a guy in court at the moment, Rolf Harris, who was, um, you know, when I was growing up, he was on uh, PSA-type adverts for learning to swim, and he did painting, and he was Australian, and he had a didgeridoo and a wobble board and would sing songs, and he was just did a program about animal hospitals. Um, and, yeah, that's going on in court at the moment, and he's alleged to have done similar stuff. Ugh. So this is a, so this is for you. This is uh, uh, right. So memories of your own experience as a youth are being uh, dragged up. Well, yeah, yeah well, not, not my memories of these people, uh, but yeah, it's just like you know, you think you look back to uh, the people you watched on television as as a child, and you start to question every single one of them and whether they've been mentioned or not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which again, you know, is nothing compared to the people that. Jimmy Savile did abuse. Yeah. That's dark. Yeah, it was. Huh. Baseball, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, uh, well, let me, let me ask you, I, you're asking, about, we're talking about England. And we've also, we've also already talked about uh, football, but uh, let me ask you, I'm going to also ask you about the uh, Diablos there, Diablos <laughs> Rojos, Riojos, Rojos, Rojos, yeah. Uh, but first of that, um, what do you, uh, what are your feelings about the pending World Cup and England's chances in it, or or Craig Robinson's chances of enjoying it? Um, I think I'm going to be fine enjoying it. Um, yeah, uh, I have a problem. Um, again, going back to the thing about moral outrage, um, I find the more I learn about FIFA, the more I find it difficult to 
thoroughly get behind any of their tournaments. Right, because they're uh, corrupt from top. Yeah, just because they they rock up into a country, try to change their laws, um, and claim that they're a charity, so they don't pay uh, what they owe. Um, but apart from that, um, yeah, it's going to be fantastic, isn't it? It's just a load of good football happening in a country that loves football. So that's going to be great. I don't think England have a particularly good chance. I guess. Well, their first game is Italy. I think if they get a draw in that Italy game, they can because they got Uruguay and uh, Costa Rica after that. Right. If they can get one draw, well, I was thinking about trying to think about it last night while uh, I was having dinner with my girlfriend's parents, and um, you know what it's like when uh, when when your mind wanders off, even though you're supposed to be sort of concentrating, and you just get something in your head. I just sort of thought, well, in each group there's four teams, so that's. There are 18 points available in total. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you assume one team is going to, say, win two and draw one, well, that's seven of the, well, that's nine, essentially nine of the points have disappeared. So the three other teams have to split nine points. So if you think a win and a draw should get you through. And then, and then I came back to the conversation and they were further along and uh, <laughs> it didn't so it disappeared. It didn't matter, you said? No, it did not matter at all. Did, um, uh, did a certain part of you hurt that it didn't matter? Not really. Oh, okay. No, I'm quite happy to drift off into my own brain and think about things. It's uh, it's not very polite, but it's what I'm used to. <laughs> I uh, I was listening with with regard to England. I was uh, watching or listening recently to an interview uh, John Oliver gave. Mm-hmm. Let's say let's pretend. It was on Charlie Rose. Okay. But I cannot guarantee that. Maybe it was on NPR's Fresh Air. Uh, Charlie Rose was with a black, black studio, right? Black studio, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he was talking about um, uh, England and being English and um, the United States and becoming American. Mm-hmm. And how uh, – he actually had – I mean there were some moments where – I mean it's not like – I don't think he – he didn't cry – but he might have become emotional for a moment. Uh, discussing the United States, his sentiments about England were generally that um, on account of it is an empire that – or, a, you know, uh, yeah, that is sort of continually on the decline. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and there's a sense that uh, this is a trend and that uh, things are going – that the – the power, not just not just power, but sort of the uh, influence. Yeah, the influence, the prestige. Mm. How about uh, is is dwindling? Um, that that he it, it it maybe fosters a an air of uh, negativity and self doubt. Whereas in the United States, the thing he likes about the people, not all of them, uh, because he's generally <coughs> the American character is that there's a generally a positivity to it. I totally agree with that. I think that exists. Um, I don't think it's just England and the United States. I think it's Europe and the Americas. Oh, okay. Because um, I would say in Europe we have many generations of being used to um, kings and rulers coming along and dictating their will to us, and we, you know, obviously class is a bigger issue. Um, you know, we know, you know, we have phrases like "don't get ideas above your station." 
Uh-huh. You know, so it's just essentially just saying, uh, your working class, shut up. Whereas, you know, um, and I'm ignoring, uh, this ignores the indigenous people of the Americas, by the way. Um, well, don't, those, don't worry, they're used to it. <laughs> those people that uh, their ancestors came to the Americas, be that Canada, your place, or Mexico or South America, uh, apart from the slaves, um, everyone came looking for a better life. They thought a better life was over the ocean. And from that point, I think there's a, there is a constant striving that has, you know, like that negativity that's passed down through us. Mm-hmm. There's a positivity that, passed, that seems to be passed down through people of the Americas. Yeah, I, I've become acutely aware of, uh, of a similar, it, maybe perhaps this is describing the same phenomena, but uh, with different words. I've become acutely from, uh, sort of aware of the fact that really everyone who ended up in the United States, and you know perhaps this perhaps this applies to the other countries in the Americas as well, uh, so in the United States, they were for the most part they were too poor to continue living in their other country. Yeah, I mean you know the, the, the Irish, you know, like we did. Yeah. Um, the ones that were strong enough not to die. Yeah, uh, we're just they made their way to the Americas. Yeah, uh, it's understandable why the Irish should continue to despise the English. Yeah, and also, I, well, so also like my family, like the Italian side of it at least, they were so they were so poor, and they're like, oh, we we have to go away from here because if we stay here, we will die. And yeah. uh, so they did, and uh, they didn't die, and like. You know, just like a generation later, my grandfather, uh, you know, became like, uh, you know, did did quite well for himself, and that's great. But, uh, but it's still like in a country of of people who came and were poor and not particularly well educated, and other things, and maybe not genetically gifted either. Uh, mm. And uh, yeah, but I don't know. Were you, were you um, there is. Uh, I, I just it, it went out of my head. Sorry, it's gone. Yeah, that's, that's going to happen. Had a with but you were blathering on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, but that. So I feel. I do feel occasionally a sense of shame uh, when I walk the streets here, and I think, oh, this is. Um, we're like I'm from a place that. Where we just produce, we like the best of us in the United States. We it represents, it, it represents the people who were co- who were compelled to leave because they couldn't survive. Uh, yeah, in their native mm-hmm. country. Yeah, but actually, my point was that, that it just it does still. Uh, I mean, you read stories like this. You you know, you read an interview with anyone, and you know. Uh, it comes up that uh, their ancestors, like their grandfather, gave them like five dollars because that's all they could afford and then they got on a ship and the, the you know like, for me like when, whenever i go home you know uh, i'll just go on holiday you know you're checking your pockets make sure you've got your credit card you make sure you've got some money from the other currency your passport all these things uh because you think if, if i get to you know guatemala and i don't have my credit card with me I'm yeah and then you think those people just took everything that they had 
that they could possibly carry with no money, landed in a country where they don't speak the language and were waited for by someone who was willing to exploit them, you know, saying, come and work for me for three cents. Yeah. It's just like, huh, I'm worried that I didn't bring my iPod charger. Well, you don't want to work, you don't want to end up in Guatemala and, and now you're forced to, to work for someone uh, who will exploit you. No, absolutely not. So there's that. Yeah, you got to protect against that. Well, when that's, I guess there's also another situation where that's just your best case scenario. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The best case scenario. Yeah. Did any Robinsons? Uh, did any Robinsons that you know of? I mean, anyone with whom you? No, I don't think so. No. Um, as far as I know, uh, pretty much the whole family um, comes from the same county. As far as I know, back. I don't. I've not done much research into that, but. From what uh, my grandmother told me, everyone's from Lincolnshire. And that's where you're from, too. It is, yeah. I believe I'm the first one to go to university. Me and my sister, anyway. Oh. Yeah. And look what you've you've done with it. Yeah. I've ended up living in uh, Mexico. Yeah, and I can hear hear traffic outside your window here. Yeah, there's... um, Well, double glazing doesn't exist in Mexico uh, because mostly they don't need it. Um, so it does mean street noise is rather loud. So now are you living, cause you, uh, since last we spoke, I believe you had, uh, what, I don't, or maybe it wasn't, but you had some manner of health scare. You've been back to England at least once. No, I've been back twice actually since then, yeah. You've been back twice, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just, uh, um, my father died of a heart attack and I had some chest pains, so. Uh, one likes to be, uh, what's the word, cautious yeah. about that sort of thing. Um, but it was all fine. I, I, I just took advantage of Mexico's incredibly expensive healthcare. <laughs> and, um, they saw that I was English and had a credit card, so decided to keep me in overnight rather than just looking at the results there and there. Um, and, yeah, then I went back to England for Christmas, and I went back just recently for because I had an exhibition. Oh, you had an exhibition? Mm-hmm. Oh, Craig yes. Robinson, that's exciting. It was, yeah. It was nice. It was, you know, my pictures on a wall. Yeah, and, and you you there beside them, I assume? Yeah, talking to people, sort of like staring at the floor, going, thank you, thank you, that's very nice. Uh, drinking, uh, were drinks yeah, available? Drinks were available, yes. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Bex and Stella Artois were the, the beers of choice. Well, better than uh, better than nothing. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I like Bex. Um, it was my go-to beer when I was living in Germany. So, yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, yeah. And uh, so, what, do, what what happens that because so I I'm, I have some familiarity with poetry readings, right? Which are t- generally interminable. Um, what's that? I can imagine. Yeah, because <clears throat> typically you're forced to sit around and. Um, it requires some manner of effort just to sit there. You're usually not allowed to drink until afterwards, um, whereas I believe that you should be encouraged to drink beforehand. And um, if I may interrupt, uh, it, I don't know much about poetry, but isn't part of the joy of poetry that you know you can sit and absorb the words, and that would not be the case if someone's reading them out to you? Uh, I mean, maybe. I mean, here's the thing. Most poems are bad, so whether you're sitting and absorbing them or someone's reading them at you, they're equally unpleasant. Right. Uh, the advantage to reading them by yourself is that you can put the book down. Yeah. Um, 
But but I it seems as though there would be at least some advantage to an art opening, right? Whereas like you're not really I mean people have freedom of movement. They can walk around and the only awkward thing would be when they talk to you and they're like, "Oh, these are really good, buddy." Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice experience. Um on the whole, there there is always that uh, thing of you know, you create this stuff, well, I create this stuff sat in front of a computer on my own with my headphones on and then suddenly you're confronted with them on the wall and other people looking at the stuff that you've done. Um, which is a weird feeling. Uh, I, I, I quite like the praise, but it's better in email form. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, yeah, it's, I just, um, I'm learning how to, uh, just be gracious and, and not just sort of go, well, it was very easy to do. I just did this, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I just say, thank you very much. It's very nice of you to say so. Has anyone ever wished you a happy birthday and then you say happy birthday back to them? Um, <laughs> no, but you do have that, um, uh, I do enjoy the, those moments of conversation which are crossed, like, uh, when, when, if you say good morning to, like, this happened to me last year, actually, um, I said good morning to a neighbor and his reply was fine, thanks. <laughs> hmm? uh, it, oh, sorry, in English or Spanish? Uh, that was in Spanish, yeah. So what? what is that, Bu- Buona Matina or something like that? Uh, I can't remember the exact words that he said. He probably didn't actually say fine, thanks, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, but what is good morning in, in Spanish? Buenos dias. Oh, wait, dia is a good, okay, yeah, buenos dias, and then, and then what would be something along the lines of fine, uh, thanks? Yeah, gracias or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's amusing. Um, <clears throat> uh, Yes, with regard to compliments, though um, they can they can uh, they can be challenging. Even though that's the thing that you want. Yeah, absolutely. What you want is everyone to kneel down and say, you know, like treat you like uh, you know the the blonde woman in Game of Thrones with the dragons. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Or like that you would that you would have the power of like a Tiberius or Caligula. Yeah. Um, although you sometimes you think well. I would be such a horrible person if that was the case. Yeah. Because after a while, you get used to it. And right. You can become accustomed to any any level of pleasure is the problem. Yeah, very much so. And you always need – so therefore, you always need to start uh, – you essentially are, in effect, one-upping your own self uh, when you say, well, mm. now I'm bored of – now I'm bored of this. Uh, I need to I need to get, move on from that. Oh, Rolf Harris wrote Timey Kangaroo Down. I don't know. Uh, Did you write it? I he wrote know. it. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's terrible. Oh. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, uh, let me ask you about this. Let me ask you about the Diablos Rojos. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, you've been to some games. It seems like uh, I've only been to three this season. Actually, it's, um, I've been. I was away for a month, so I've not really seen much, and the weather's not been particularly nice the last week or so. So <laughs> three games. Yeah, three uh, games. Yeah, it's been fine. Um, have yeah, you been following? Uh, have you been following the um, the devil, the Red Devils, who are now in the Houston organization? Um, well, Leo Aras is in there. I don't know why, um, but uh, Yefe Amador. Oh, what happened to him? 
and he's back. It's the back or something. No. Um, well, I know he didn't turn up to spring training because his wife, um, his wife had a difficult pregnancy, I believe, something like that. Oh, well, that's not good. Um, but yeah, Leo Harris is at double A. Um, that Corpus Christi, I think. Um, so hopefully he's doing all right. Yeah. Uh, because I remember uh, we, when we talked at one point previously, um, you, you had mentioned that you had sort of grown fond of Leo Harris. Very much so. He was definitely the best player that the Diablos had. Um, and, uh, so, it, you know, it is good to see. Because uh, it, it does seem like the um, the way out of the Mexican League is financially uh, tougher for major league teams to justify. Because they have to essentially pay a transfer fee. Oh, really? Yeah. They have to sort of buy the player. It's not just you're getting a free agent or a trade or something. You are, you are paying the club. Right. And it's actually sort of a weird... Um, it's a weird space so far as um, acquisitions go because uh, it's not like... Uh, because it's not as though you're signing a player from the Dominican. No, that's right, yeah. They're all sort of... Uh, they're all contracted to Mexican League teams, and even though it's nominally AAA, I, don't, I think that's, that does seem to be more of a, just a courtesy and a historic courtesy rather than actual right. thing. And I think that also there's no restriction on bonuses that you would give, or I guess maybe just transfer fee, however you want to think about it, to uh, to Mexican League players, which is uh, part of the advantage to, which is maybe one of the advantages of acquiring players from that league. I guess I don't know. I don't know too much about that. You just like going to the games. I just like going to the games and you know drinking beer and it's. Um, uh, I find um, I enjoy Mexican league baseball a lot. I find it, you know you know it's not the greatest baseball you can watch, um, but I enjoy having three hours where I'm not sat in front of a computer where I can let my mind wander. You know. Baseball is definitely watching baseball for me is not a analytic thing at all. I'm not really looking at uh, players' range or speed or pitch sequences or anything. I'm just sort of blankly staring out at these people doing something. I um I have a friend who I um I love and hate simultaneously. And he told me that he enjoyed uh, the opera for a very similar reason that you're explaining. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. He um, and I. I don't. I don't myself. I don't particularly care. I mean, I. It's hard for me to stay awake. Um, the times I have been to the opera, it's been hard for me to stay awake. But he went to. I know he went to the entire Ring Cycle at the wow. Met, which is a. That's a. That's an investment. Mm. Um. And yeah, he said he just liked it because he could he could get good thinking done. Yeah, good thinking is um, I find uh, with the with the modern distractions of uh, computers and stuff, um, any time where you can't have any of those things on is definitely a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to, you know, if I if I if I need to have if I'm forced to have an idea for <laughs> something, you know, be it. You know, for a client or whatever, or you know, I've got cer- a, a certain way along thinking about um, something I want to do. Uh, the best, the best thing to do 
is to just go for a walk, put my headphones on, listen to music, or alternatively just go and sit in the bar and um, let alcohol draw out the poison. Yes. I've also noticed that taking a shower uh, is good. Is good. I don't know if you have the same reaction to yeah, showering. Showering is very – yeah, I enjoy that. Although the shower in our new apartment, it's, um, we only get like about two or three minutes of hot water out of it. So we have to do navy showers, which is – it kind of takes away the relaxing element of the shower. Oh, God, it would, yeah. Now, is there, any, is there a landlord to whom you can speak? Uh, there is. We um, – We've uh, we've already had to go to speak to that landlord about a couple of other things, so we're kind of trying to space out our. <laughs> well, it sounds like you got a great bargain. Uh, yeah, um, flat prices of uh, apartment prices have gone up recently. Um, it seems like this time a little bit more expensive than they were before. But you know, it's still way cheaper than living in the United States or Paris, France, I believe. Uh, you would be uh, you would be correct. In fact, uh, uh, my wife and I will only be living in Paris, France for two more days. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And you're going straight back to the states? No, no, no. Uh, we're going to Italy and then Croatia and then Germany. Ah, are you visiting the old family in Italy? No, but we will be in Puglia, which is where my family's from, uh, for about a week. Right. Um, so, so no one can knock on the door and have you know. Balls of spaghetti and stuff. Um, I believe what we eat in Italy. Balls of spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you got it right. That's true. It's true. When you when you hear when you hear about Italy, you hear there's two there's two staples. It's pizza and then balls of spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everyone always talks about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Well, I do know that you have a piece. Well, let's see. You have a piece uh, coming out next week, I believe. It is a series of illustrations of uh, the sort of characters one might find, or not might find, but does find specifically yeah. at a Diablos Rojos game. Yeah, there, there's lots of vendors of different types of things that you don't really get at uh, American stadiums. So I did some drawings of those. Yeah. Now, are they? Uh, um, are, 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 is it sort of the same setup though, like where they're employees of the club or park essentially, or are they independent contractors? I believe uh, I'm not 100 percent sure about this, but I don't think they're employed by the club. I think they're employed by the venue. Oh, okay, oh, that makes more sense. Because um, uh, I don't think the Diablos own the venue. I think it's owned by a company that owns venues. And yeah. there, there was something recently in the uh, a newspaper where the owner of the team said. The team and uh, this company that owns the venue are looking for maybe a, uh, a site for a new baseball-only stadium. So at the moment, Forest Hall, which is where the Diablos play, um, it is. Uh, I assume they make most of their money from the huge concerts that they have there, like you know Justin Bieber and Madonna U2-sized concerts. Um, so that's probably where most of their money comes from, and they just happen to play baseball there as well. But um, it does seem like they're looking for a proper stadium, which would be nice because it's a horrible place to watch baseball. <laughs> now, uh, is that, is that's your post next week. Your post this week, uh, you've, uh, I believe you've drawn a, um, a snow globe? A snow globe, yeah. I used yeah. to collect snow globes. Um, yeah, that was one of those. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's 
it's not that good a drawing, to be honest. <laughs> well, the best part about it, I think, actually, because you're actually, uh, I think, quite a great, uh, quite a good pro- prose writer as well. Thank you. Uh, and you suggest that uh, you you mention that the the reader will notice that there's no snow in the globe, and that's because you couldn't be arsed to draw bits of fake snow, and that one, uh, if one were so inclined, could send complaints to Carson Sestouli at uh, 69 Rue de Merde, mm-hmm. Paris, France. You see what I did there? Yeah, I did. Were you pleased? Were you pleased with yourself? Uh, not really. Just curious. Just... just curious if you were pleased with yourself by that little. It's it's just a little joke, but it's a good one. Well, sixty-nine is obviously the rudest number. It is. Yeah. Na- yeah. Naturally. Um, Rudimard. Never... Yeah. Right. Rudimard. That's funny too. Oh uh, yeah. Um, doesn't uh, sixty-nine comes from uh, French anyway? Doesn't it? Like Soixante-neuf was the original of that, I believe. I don't know about that in particular. That could be very well be. I do know that there is a, a Serge Gainsbourg song, Soixante-neuf en érotique. So uh, 69, erotic year. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what every song of his is called? Right, yeah, so that's the thing. It's like, uh, uh, he'll be like, 1988, erotic year. And you're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? He's just like, well, Serge Gainsbourg's there. It must be an erotic year, yeah. It's, uh, he was enjoyable. Is he um, appreciated in France? I assume he is. Uh, he widely, was... yeah, yeah, I yeah. would say widely, yeah. Uh, uh, at the level you assume he would be appreciated, like let's see, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I mean, he's not like on every magazine cover or whatever, but uh, yeah, I think that generally you get a sense that the people the people are happy to call him theirs yeah i i i um I ask because I found when living in Germany that Kraftwerk would never really. Uh, they were liked, but I don't think they had the sort of reverence that a lot of people in my country and your country have for craft work. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I think I think I think he was he was important here. Certainly, Charlotte Gainsbourg uh, is celebrated here as well. Uh, I celebrate her. <laughs> <laughs> Do you uh, are you of the opinion, or would you like to be of the opinion? Um, that uh, with regard to Charlotte Gainsbourg, do you feel as though, like Walt Whitman, every atom belonging to you is good belongs to her? Would you like Would you like can that you, to be the uh, case? Can you repeat that? Those every person. atom, every atom belonging to you, mm-hmm. uh, as good belongs to her. Oh right, that sounds uh, that sounds delightful. Yeah. I'm very much in favor of that. Now, she was recently in a two-part film. I, uh, what was it by Lars? Was it by Von Trier? Lars Von Trier? The um, Nymphomaniac. Did you see that? I didn't. No, I, I've stopped watching his films. I find him manipulative. Yeah, that's one word for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that C word that uh, your Irish friend said. Oh yeah, they're right. Uh, would you? Yes, manipulative in the sense that he tries to he tries to crush. Um, any joy you might extract from the world. Yeah, he, yeah, he he is. Um, I, I just get the feeling like you know, on on the birthday of his child, he will turn the lights off, light the candles, bring the cake in, and see the joy on the child's face, and then take a chainsaw to that cake <laughs> and the table and the child's bed and the child's mother. Like, yeah, this, and then just say, "This is life," <laughs> and film it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, uh, I don't know, Craig Robinson. Have we have we run the gamut? Do you feel as though we've run any gamuts? Um, I, I, what is a gamut? I actually don't know. I don't. I don't know. No. I mean, yeah, are you? Gamuts have been run, I guess. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm just gonna not even surreptitiously Google that. Do you the complete range of scope of something? I don't, I don't know if it's a physical. It's a I don't think it's a physical. If I if I Google, did you did you get a Google image on gamuts? No, I actually rather than googling, I went to the dictionary that's uh, embedded into my computer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. It does appear to be a complete scale of musical notes. So there you are. So oh, this up. is a color range as well. Oh yeah, look at that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well there you are. Look at that. Two people looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, we've. <laughs> Um, we've done that. We've ru- we've really run the gambit now. Mm. I watched a baseball game last night. By the way, before we finish. Talking. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Would you like to Would you like to provide a game recap? Yeah. Uh, apparently, um, well, Adam Lind has got a beard now. It would seem. Yes, you yes, would. Yeah. Um, because of my traveling and stuff, I just not bothered watching any Major League Baseball up until last night. Uh huh. Um, and it was a joy to have it again. I must admit, I enjoyed. Sitting there watching some of the Rays and Blue Jays, but yeah, Adam Lynn's beard was the thing that struck me most. Okay, well, you've provided, I I think, some piping hot reportage. I have actually, yeah. I mean, I don't know why you have Dave Cameron on when you could come to me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's never once mentioned Adam Lynn's beard, so yeah, yeah. You have that going for you. Um, anything else about the game that you'd care to say, or just that uh, you noticed that Adam Lynn has a beard? I noticed when a ball got hit into the outfield and uh, one of the, I think it was a centre fielder, sort of dove to okay. catch okay. it, and I don't think he did catch it. Um, but you got a real sense of the concrete that's under the carpet at Rogers Centre when you saw his body hit the ground. Mm. It didn't hit the ground in a way that you'd hit grass. No, it looked no, more it... painful, I assume. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, okay, so... Yeah, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see that in an uh, Associated Press pyramid style game report. No, not no. at all. No. I would. Um, what percentage of baseball did I just analyze? Do you think maybe zero? But you did something and, with baseball. It wasn't analysis necessarily. It was. Um, uh, it was something you definitely observed some things. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Are you looking forward to it? You're going to be back in a, you know, a watchable time zone. Yeah. I've actually developed a little bit of a, uh, of a ritual here. Um, so I will, a way of sort of catching up on the previous day's games when I wake up. Oh, right. So you don't actually watch live games unless they're day games then. You're right. Yeah. Otherwise it necessitates. And now when my wife was away for about a week and a half, I did, uh, I would, I stayed up too late, uh, basically every day and watched at least the first half of a bunch of games. Right, that's good. Um, but mm, yes, let's see. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm excited to see it live. Uh, the way I typically watch at this point is in reverse anyway. So because it's usually like, so in the past, for example, I've enjoyed Corey Kluber starts quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so what I will do is, um, even when I was in the states, I would wait till the next day. And I would just watch all of Corey Kluber start. I would skip ahead a half inning every time. You know, it was. Ah, okay. you know, I would watch him pitch, 
and then skip uh, the Cleveland team batting and then go directly to the next half inning in which Corey Kluber was pitching. Right. Uh, this, is, this is something that kind of, um, interests me about baseball watching in general because obviously it's different from, you know, if you're watching the Premier League, uh, there it's not a huge amount of time if you are a fan of a club. You know, you, you, you see when the next game is, you... And if you're on this side of the world, you wake up early to watch it. If you're on that side of the world, you watch it at the time God intended. (laughs) Uh, But with baseball, you know, there's just so much going on. And particularly in the baseball world that you and I inhibit. um, Inhabit, inhabit. We, I mean, you, we might inhibit it as well. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's a good Freudian, that's a Freudian (laughs) slip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I would say in our little universe, um, we have a greater proportion of people who are interested in baseball as a whole, as opposed to just their team. You know, there, you know, there are people that I know who will just watch all the Yankees games or all the Mariners games or all the Cardinals games, but there's also an amount of people who will just look at Fangraphs' nerd score uh-huh. and choose a game to watch. Right. Which is something that I would do. Um, uh, and you, uh, uh, and I've heard Ben Lindbergh say that, you know, he watches game recaps quite a lot on his podcast, on the rival podcast. Oh, wow. You, you listen to that, huh? Hmm. Yeah, hmm. I do, yeah. Um, hmm. yeah. Hmm. yeah. I like to keep abreast of the rivals. Yeah, that's a good point. Keep your, keep your enemies closer and all that. Yeah. But no, I mean, we, we all watch in different ways and there's only a, an amount of hours in the day. And three hours of baseball every day is a lot of your day to give up. So it would just be interesting to know, you know, how people watch. Well, and not just three hours a day, but of course three hours per or three hours per game times fifteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have there's roughly forty five hours of baseball content per per uh, per day. So when people complain that uh, there's no baseball in, in the off season, they could just watch. Yeah. You know, the 24 hours extra each day that they didn't watch during the season. Yeah, right. Now, are you someone who's good at um, – because it happens – well, I know that uh, Nick Hornby discusses it in uh, – what's that one he wrote about the Arsenal's uh, – uh, High fidelity. Yeah, right. But uh, he talks about going back to That's watch a football – High fidelity is the one about uh, – Oh, yeah, right. We, we know what we're talking about. Mm. Fever pitch it is. That's the one. Yeah. So he goes back and he and he has to try and he has to attempt to watch a re, replay of a game without anyone telling him about the match to start with. And this ha- this happens in the United States too, doesn't it? Because sometimes I don't know if it's the case anymore, but I know that uh, you know when I used to watch Champions League matches in college, they'd have one on, and then there would be one recorded on right after it. Right. Okay. But although. Uh, the difficult thing that ESPN would do was they would also show the scores in real time at like the ticker on the bottom. Ah, okay, that makes the DNT's, um, yes. scotch to cover the bottom of the screen. Yeah, you would have to do that, right, yeah. Uh, but anyway, have you, do you ever come across situations where you find your, I mean, do you, are you able to derive enjoyment from, from a game watching it after it's been played? Um, if I know that the team that I want to win has already won, then yeah. Oh really? It's, so even yeah. you you say, oh okay, the, the, I want this team to win. Now I'm going to watch the entirety, and I'm just going to find out how they won. Yeah. Really? Like, for example, 
if the Liverpool Manchester City game, which Liverpool won, uh, I will, uh, and I hadn't watched that live. Um, I would watch it afterwards, but the Liverpool Chelsea game, for example, which Chelsea won, I wouldn't have watched that. I would have just let it go. But what if you didn't know the score at all? Is my point. Oh, if I didn't know the score, yeah, I'd watch it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I can accept. I mean, I can accept it. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm not asking for your approval. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's uh, let you do. I don't know what you. I really don't know what you do during the day, but let's let you do it anyway. Okay, I'm gonna have a shower. Oh, that sounds good. You do get some thinking done. Yeah, yeah, for like thirty seconds. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you stick stick around for a second? But in the meantime, thank okay. you, thank you, Craig Robinson. You're more than welcome, Carson Story. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, Craig Robinson of of Knockgrafts, of Mexico City, of Lincolnshire for generations, apparently. I'm Carson Stooley, and this has been Fangraphs Audio.